Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. If you're taking note, I always like to start out that way because I think it's important. I jot something down, like chapters 10 through 12, what they do is they form a single vision of the latter days. And when Daniel's thinking of latter days, he's thinking uh, later on, but for us, it's the present. These are the latter days. And so it's going to get real exciting here from chapters 10, 11, and 12. Because when you think about Daniel, he's invigorated here in chapter 10. He receives a vision's predictions in chapter 11. And then what he does is he responds to them in chapter 12. So this chapter, chapter 10, is going to reveal a great conflict. You go, a conflict? Like what? Well, between the forces of good and evil with, within the spiritual realm. Here's a glimpse of what we would call invisible warfare that's actually taking place between an organized dominion of darkness and an organized kingdom of light. You go, Ben, those are a lot of words. What are you saying? Well, again, here's what we're seeing. There's spiritual warfare going on right now. There's spiritual warfare in the heavenlies, and we know that's what's happening. Daniel chapter 10 kind of gives us a glimpse of that. This final encounter or vision... Um, was a traumatic experience for Daniel. It was very traumatic. At the very sight of this, well, we'll call him a glorious man, okay, and you're going to see that later on, glorious man. Some people say, well, it's an angel. Others say it's Jesus. Um, It could go 50-50. We'll look at it that way. But nonetheless, when Daniel sees him, um, his strength is sapped. When, when, I mean, you've got to understand the situation. Daniel's going to see this vision, and I mean, basically, all of his strength leaves him. And the Bible's going to talk about him just having this weird, contorted type of, I mean, he's got nothing left. So, so the vision is actually breathtaking, if you will, in many ways. Daniel required, if you will, several touches before he was ready to receive the revelation. Three of the five touches received by the prophet are actually recorded here in chapter 10. So you got three out of the five. Now, notice, notice. Daniel, in chapter 10, chapter 11, we're going to see, is made strong. You guys want to see that? Is made strong. When... He is weak. And how beautiful that it foreshadows what God will do for Israel after a time of distress. I love the fact that it's the very same thing for us. You go, what do you mean? What we have to grasp, church, if we're going to walk in victory, if we're going to walk in this Christianity, what we have to grasp in everyday life, is that it's in our weakness that God is most glorified. It's in our weakness. I love the fact that the Word of God says that we're made strong, but we're made strong in Him. If you recall, it was Paul writing to the Ephesians, and I've harped on this over and over because it's one of those 
things that kind of hits you in the face. If you recall, Paul is, is he's exhorting the Ephesian church to strengthen the inner men. To strengthen the inner men. And we see that according to Psalm 119, verses 1 through 3, we see that, that the psalmist encourages us to walk in God's ways. And the word walk there means it's a habitual pattern. It's a habitual process. And so if you and I are going to strengthen the men, we have to do some work. We have to be on our knees in prayer. We have to be reading the Bible. We have to be in fellowship. We have to be in communion with God. We have to be seeking God each and every day of our life. We cannot, listen, we cannot put cruise control in our Christian walks anymore. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I know all the Christianese. We have to develop a habitual pattern so that we can strengthen the inner men. We've got to strengthen those. That's important. We have to take a moment in our Christian walks to, to say, okay, Lord, how am I doing with you? How am I doing? Could I do better? What, what am I allowing in my life just to, just to um, skate by? What am I allowing in my life to go, oh, I've, I've done that? Or, hey, I've read the Bible 15 times or 20 times. You know, one of the things the other day I was driving on Monday and I had my granddaughter with me and she goes, Grandpa, how many times have you read the Bible through? And I said, from cover to cover, I've read it about 12 times. 12 times, Grandpa? Wow. And I said, well, that's not including the time I got saved. But then I started to think about it. I can't rest on the fact that I've read the Bible 12 times. You see, I needed to get up the next morning and go, Lord, what do you have for me in this particular time? So you've got to check your walk. Lord, how is it with us? How is it with us? Where, where am I falling short? What's on uh, my blind side? I want to see. I want to see clearly. Listen, it's in our weakness, guys, that God is most glorified. It's in our weakness. Oh, we'd like to be strong. I want to be strong. Yes, let's be strong. But really, I want to be made strong in Him. I want to strengthen the inner man. Now, moving on, keep this in mind. Chapters 10, chapters 11, and chapters 12 all go together. Chapter 10 is like the introduction to chapter 11 and 12. Okay, So, by way of recap, if you recall, in chapter 9, Daniel learned how God's purposes were delayed. We see that. In chapter 10, he's going to learn how our prayers are delayed. And this chapter gives us an extraordinary insight, if you will, into the workings of prayer and into a glimpse of the spiritual force that takes sides for and against God's people in an unseen world. Let me put it to you like this. There are times when you and I will go to prayer and we'll ask God of something that we really want or really need, and we feel like maybe God's not hearing our prayer, or we feel like our prayer is being delayed in being answered. Now, I'm not talking about the, hey, in prayer it talks about uh, God's always answers are yes and no, we're wait. This is a delayed time where it's like, this isn't wait. This is something that's going on. We, this is something in the heavenlies that I really need to, and we're going to see a little bit about that just in a deeper way. This chapter tonight, church, listen, is a prelude to the astonishing visions in chapter 11 and chapter 12. Now, let me set the stage once again. Remember, in 605 B.C., Daniel went into captivity 
when Babylon overthrew Jerusalem. Jeremiah predicted that this Jeremiah predicted this and that the Israelites would remain in captivity, do you remember, for 70 years. Now, it's been 70 years and Daniel's expecting the prophecy to come true. Yet, he's still not seeing any evidence of it. I want to think about this for just a moment in our lives. Again, when we pray for something, when we're seeking God and we're going, Lord, you said in your word, and I don't... And you could imagine how Daniel was feeling as he's reading the book of Jeremiah and he's going, how long have we been here? How long have we been, we been here? It's 70 years, 70 years. God, Lord, okay, we should, we should be going home. Lord, any day, any day now when uh, Jeremiah didn't give us a date, but we should, we should, here we go. Daniel is longing for the release of the Israelites so they can return home to Jerusalem and continue worshiping God in the temple. That's what he wants. Oh, it's time. It's time. I think about that from time to time. I think about the world that we're living in, and I think about all the stuff that's going on in the world. I think about it prophetically, and I think, man, the time of Jesus is, is coming. It's, it's, it's really short. And then I'll listen to other pastors that I... Uh, truly respect, and, and, and they seem to be thinking that it might be a little bit longer than I'd hope. Hmm. Hmm. But nonetheless, whatever days we have here on earth, whatever days we have left, because none of us knows what we have here on earth, and we need to be ready. We need to be ready, and we need to look for that. So with that, let's jump into our text. We have a lot to cover. And so let's look at verse 1 of chapter 10 in your Bibles. It says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was, what's his name? Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long. And he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. Now, there are two significant points that we can glean from this verse. Okay, you go, what's that? Here's what I want you to see. Daniel called by Cyrus by the Hebrew title of Melech Kings. And he lets the reader know that he's still called Belteshazzar by the Persians. Daniel, his name means God is judge. If he would employ his name Daniel, he would have been unpopular among the Babylonians, among the Medes, among the Persians. You go, okay? So I want you to just to file that away. Why? Well, even to this day, think about this. People only want to hear about the love of God, about the grace of God, not about God's wrath or God's judgment. If you were here on Sunday, you would have heard Pastor Sof say that he was surprised the Lord hadn't judged us already. And if you'll go to churches today, you'll realize that they're not giving you the full gospel word of God. You see, a lot of people want to hear about love, and they want to hear about grace, and I want to hear about those things too. But I need to know the word of God through and through. The Babylonians, 
they didn't want to employ Daniel's name. They wanted to call him Belteshazzar. They didn't want to employ, oh, God is about to judge. God is about to judge. But when you think of the book of Daniel, and we've covered nine chapters so far, think about this. The book embodies both aspects of God's righteousness as well as God's love and God's judgment. It's all part of that. It's all part of the Word of God. And I was telling our new friends here that at Calvary we do expository Bible teaching. We pull out the verses. This is what it says. And when God talks about wrath and he talks about those things, man. But if you listen to Soph on Sunday, you'll remember he also said that we have hope in a Savior and that he took that judgment for us personally. Now, the United States, that's a whole nother, maybe it's coming, but, but personally, the judgment our Jesus took on the cross. He took that. And it was, oh, wow. Wow. The second thing we need to see, and I want you to underline it, it says, the appointed time was long. Do you see that? Do you see that? In the third year of Cyrus the king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long. Do you guys see that in verse? What does it mean? The one thing we need to grasp as we make our way through this text, is God's timing is different than our timing. Daniel writes here, the, what does he write? The appointed time was long. He goes, man, I was praying. I wish, in my time, I would ask God to do this, 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 this. And that's how we are. That's how we are when we pray. When we get on our knees, we want God to answer our prayers that day. I sure do. But I need to realize that God doesn't see the way I see. God doesn't, his timing is not my timing, and God's timing is not Daniel's timing. And what I need to do, and this is hard for me, is to rest, come on somebody, rest in the fact that God has it all under control, and that I can rest in his timing for the world, for my prayers, For the things that I'm seeking God for, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. The problem is, is that oftentimes we want to counsel God, don't we? We want, we think we know better. God, listen, listen, I don't know if you know what's going on down here in Lubbock. I mean, this is maybe one of those cities out of your radar, you know, you're, you handle bigger cities, but hey, let me, listen, 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 Lord, if we, if you could just do this and do this and, and, and do here and fix this and, and that and, and, and we'll be good. What do you think? You go, that's silly, but that not that what we do with God? We want to counsel God. We want to counsel God. We think we know better than God. How important is we realize that maybe I'm not hearing anything but I'm going to trust his timing. I'm going to trust his timing. I think the Lord Jesus reminds us of the same thing, don't you? Look at, look at the screen. It's John 14. John 14, 1 through 3 says this. He says, let, your heart, and let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Let me say this. Just because we don't see it doesn't mean that God isn't doing it. 
always remember and jot this down somewhere if you can't god is always working behind the scenes he's always working behind this even if i can't see it god is always working he's always working do you realize he loves us so much that he's always working on our behalf but it's but it's again wrap your mind around this guys wrap your mind around this okay let me illustrate it this way the children of israel they come out of Egypt, right? It was basically a 12 to 18 day walk from where they were to the promised land. But because of their disobedience, because of their unbelief, because of all that went down, God took them on a longer route. It was a 40 year route instead of a 12 to 15 day. Now, Moses dies, Joshua takes over, and they're about to enter the promised land. God said they could have the promised land. God said, hey, listen, we got 2 million people in our church. Go take the land. But God said, no, 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 no. Here's what I want you to do. Take one city at a time. One city at a time. One city at a time. Now, why would God do that? Do you realize that if the Israelites would have come in and taken all the promised land, that that wouldn't have been good? They would have killed the people and the beasts and all the stuff would have been so overrun that the Israelites could have not sustained being in the promised land. All, I mean, all the cattle, everything else. So he goes, okay, here's the timing. One at a time. Okay, you got it? Established, good. Next city, next city, next city. And then you and I read that and we go, wow, that was a long time for them to come in the promise. Not only were they wandering for 40 years, but now it's taking a long time. But it's God's timing because when he establishes something, he establishes it in his timing. So you go, oh, okay, God's timing. God's timing. Got it. You go, Pastor, what was the point? Just because we don't see it doesn't mean that God isn't doing it. He's working behind the scenes. Well, Daniel prayed, Lord, the Israelites would be delivered from bondage and be returned to Jerusalem to worship God. Can I have your attention for just a moment? Don't you just love Daniel? Because Daniel was taken, he's left everything he's loved, and he's homesick, but he's praying that the Israelites would go back and worship God. He never once mentions, me, I want to go back. I'm an old man. Uh, 84, I mean, whatever he is, 82, I'm ready to go. Worship. He, he's going, okay, I understand. I understand. And that's what we saw in a couple chapters back where Daniel confesses his sin. And, and not only that, but the sin of, of Israel. He's like, okay. But here's the good news. And, and I love that because, because I think that our prayers should not be self-focused, but we should be praying for others. Oh, oh, we get to experience the glory of God. We get to experience worship. We get to experience the peace and joy of God. Here's our prayer. Lord, that people in Lubbock who are not would experience you as their Lord and Savior. As their Lord and Savior. Another thing we need to keep in mind, church, is Daniel is, like I said, about 80, 81 years old. And his time to return is most likely done. But still the vision was given to him. Look with me at verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. He says, I ate no pleasant food, no meat, no wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks war were fulfilled now here's what i want you to see there are times in our lives there are times in our lives guys when we'll get down and we'll be praying we'll be praying for a loved one 
We'll be praying for healing. We'll be praying for whatever it means. And we'll feel like we won't get an answer. We'll feel like we won't get an answer. And it's not the no, it's not the wait, it's not, listen, God's working behind the scene. There's something else you can feel it in your spirit. Daniel takes us to the next level. Where What does he do? For 21 days, he's fasting. He's fasting. He says, man, I need to take my prayer life to a whole new level. Now, remember, Daniel was fasting and mourning due to what he had seen in chapter 9. He, oh, did you see what I see in chapter 9? What Daniel saw in chapter 9, many of the people, not you, but many of the people in Lubbock, Texas, are going to see, are going to experience. And that's why it's our mission at Calvary, guys, to depopulate hell and populate heaven. Depopulate hell. Every week, on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, I always like to give an invitation. It blessed my heart that as I finished listening to Pastor Self's messages that he gave an invitation. Doesn't do it like me, that's okay. But he gave an opportunity for people to come to know the Lord. I said, that's the same heart. That's the same heart. He talked about a little bit about you know him getting saved in 2000 and so forth. And, and, and again, I was just like, wow, yes. Yes. I heard my friend Mike say that, that Pastor Ben will always give an invitation and people get saved because sometimes they feel a little more comfortable when a guest pastor comes than doing it when they're normal. You know, it's like, hey, how many of you would like to get saved? And, and, you, and you're like, I thought you were saved. You know, and the pastor looks like that. And, and, and when a guest pastor comes or somebody else is teaching, they might feel a little bit more comfortable. I don't know if that's the case, but nonetheless, here's what I'm saying. Daniel took his prayer game to a whole nother level. He was fasting for 21 days. Now, again, Daniel illustrates what Jesus promised. Remember what he said? Blessed are those who mourn, he told us, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are those. Comfort means to strengthen, which is underlying theme of this chapter, to strengthen. Now, let's chat for just a moment on fasting. Fasting is not done, listen to me, to solicit the favor of God. Oh, that's it. I'm going to stop eating for 21 days because I really want God's hand to move. I really want. Fasting arises from a sincere expression of being poor in the Spirit. This fast indicates that Daniel was praying, seeking understanding and wisdom from heaven. Be careful. Be careful. I'm just going to, I'm going to fast. I'm going to fast that, uh, uh, Lord, you just, listen, when we fast, it's a beautiful thing because it allows us to get closer to God, not to move the hand of God. But when do we fast? And what do we fast? I was taught that fasting early on was, okay, you're going to abstain from food, and every time you got those little hunger pains, you'd go into the Word of God, and you would read the Word of God, and you would worship. And that's a great way to do that. That's a great way to do that. But maybe some people go, man, I can't go without food. I'm diabetic or whatever it might be. But there's always a lot of other things that we've allowed into our lives that we can fast. What would it look like in your life if you fasted television for 21 days? Not going to turn it on. Not going to turn it on. We're going to, we're going to read the Bible. And oh, man. You go, that's not a problem. I don't even watch TV. But what about social media? 
I mean, it's almost such a natural go-to, is it not? Slip, 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 slip. Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna look at. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get them off my phone. Well, they're on my, and and it's so tempting because you want to see what's going on in the world. But here's the point, guys. The point is that we're praying and we're seeking and we're having wisdom. This is what Daniel's doing. This is what Daniel's doing. Now he comes to the prelude of the vision. And as he comes to the prelude of this vision, set your minds on Acts chapter 9. Do you remember Acts chapter 9 with the Apostle Paul? Most of us do, but let's take a look. Look at verse 4. Daniel sees a glorious man on the banks of the Tigris River. Okay? Now, on the 24th day of the first month, I was by the side of the great river, that is, the Tigris. I lifted my eyes, and I looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was, with, whose waist was girded with gold of Euphaz, his body was like beryl, his face was like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words were like the voice of a multitude. Let me, let me say that, think about this, guys. I want you to close your eyes when I read this. Here, here's what it says. There's this man, and his waist was girded with gold. His body was like beryl. His face was like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet burnished bronze in color, and when he spoke, guys, it sounded like the voice of the multitude. Now, as we dissect this, I need to give you two schools of thought, okay? You go, okay, well, who is this guy? A man clothed in linen. Most commentators will divide over the identity of this man. You go, what does it mean? Some people will raise their hand and say, this is Jesus. Look at the description. This is Jesus. Others will say, no, 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 no. Um, this, is, this is nothing. Um, mm, I don't know. But they'll come back and say, no, this is Jesus. And I'll tell you why. Notice the description. It's remarkable what John saw in Revelation chapter 1, 12 through 16. Hmm. So who is this man? Who is this man? Is it the archangel Gabriel? Is it just another mighty angel? Is it, is it a pre-incarnate Christ, the anointed one, who is cut off, if you will, on the previous vision? Well, how can we be certain it's the Messiah? How do we know? Well, again, Daniel's description of the man resembles Ezekiel's vision of the second person of the Trinity. The Trinity. Above the expanse over their heads was looked like a throne of sapphire. This is Ezekiel 1, listen, 28, 26 through 28. Over the expanse above their heads was what looked like a throne of sapphire. A high above the throne was a figure that looked like a man. I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up looked like glowing metal, as full of fire. And from there down, look like fire. A brilliant light surrounded him, like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on rainy day. And so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance and the likeness of the glory of the Lord. This is Ezekiel chapter 1, 26 through 28. So a lot of people will stay, will say, it's Jesus. Okay? Why? Because of the revelation, chapter 1, 
and Ezekiel chapter 1. You're like, okay, okay. But a second school of thought says this. Others think that this certain man is an unnamed angel of high rank. It could be the archangel Gabriel. could be a mighty angel. You go, Ben, why would they say that? Well, here's why. Jesus would not need the assistance of Michael mentioned here in verse 13. So you, you, you have one group of people going, it's Jesus. Look at, the, look at the description. And then in verse 13, you go, no, no, no. If it was Jesus, if it was a pre-incarnate Jesus, he wouldn't need Michael's help. He's, he's God. He's God. You're like, okay, okay. Look at verse 13 with me real quick. It says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, we know who that is, withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. So, okay. So you go, okay, Ben, who is it? You ready? Here's my take on it. I really don't know. I'm going to need some more information, but right now I don't know. I'll let you decide. I'm going to teach it both ways. And then basically, if you go, no, 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 Ben, this is the angel, I'll probably agree with you. But let's just, for the sake of our study, either way. It's either Christ or an angel. But nonetheless, do you remember Acts chapter 9? Do you remember when Saul was on the road to Damascus? He was, boy, he was hot to get Christians. Oh, I, give me letters. Let's. And on the road, what did he see? He saw a bright light. Do you guys remember? And his companions didn't see anything. And, and we know all of that. And, and he was blind for three days and so forth. But that's where Saul became Paul and was now a believer. I love that. If you read that in your, on your, on your one-year Bible, you read the fact that he went and he tried to hang out with the disciples. And they were all like, mm-hmm. This is Paul. He tried to kill me last week. Are you kidding me? What do you mean he's a believer now? And they wouldn't hang out with him. And it wasn't until Ananias came and said, Hey, no, 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 he's a brother. He's a brother. Come on. He's a brother. He says, I don't know. I would still be leery, right? I would be leery. Don't tell me you wouldn't be leery if our president confessed to be a believer tomorrow. Well, let's take a look. Let's see. Just see. Seems some fruit in that. But he wants to hang out with you, believer. Okay, I don't know about that. So we got to understand But notice, back in Daniel, notice Daniel's companions are terrified and unseen. Look at verse 7. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but great terror fell upon them, so that they fled and hid themselves. Now again, what does Daniel say? Daniel says, man, there is something supernatural about the vision. This is crazy. Daniel Daniel saw what he saw regarding a glorious man, But the fellows that were with them, they couldn't see it. They could not see it. And again, this sounds just like what happened to Saul on the road to Damascus. His companions could not hear the voice from heaven that that Saul heard. I love some application. You go, why? I want you to think about this. Look at me for a second. Daniel, Daniel sees the vision. Let's say it's the Lord. Okay, companions, didn't see anything, got scared. Ah! Saul, saw the vision, the light, the Lord Jesus. Companions didn't hear anything. They're standing there going, what is going on? You go, Ben, what's the point? Here, here it is. Listen, listen. 
This often reminds me. We can be close to the presence of God and yet miss all that he has for us. Come on, baby, that's good. That's good. Think about it. These guys were close to the presence and they missed it. And I wonder about us. Wow, Lord, I don't want to be close in your presence and miss all that you have for me. I don't want that. Verse 8, Therefore, I was left alone when I saw... Of course, they ran away. And notice he says, No strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and and I retained no strength. I believe even at 80, Daniel was a godly, strong man. But this vision... This vision did something to him. He was undone by this glorious man. Daniel's experience shows us that even the holiest of men fall short before God and even before his closest associates. I liked Sunday's message when I was, I was listening to it and I said, Amen, when Pastor Soph said, um, we're all the same, basically. We're all the same. Um, there are no superhuman Christians without God. And I was like, yeah, that's... I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. There, but, but he's like, no. It, it, and again, I want you to think about this. As godly as Daniel is, without God, I mean, it's... Even the holiest of men falls short before God. Think about Moses. Think about Moses. Remember when Moses said, Lord, I want to see your glory. Show me your glory. And the Lord's like, you'll die. You'll die. As a matter of fact, watch this. And, and, and he hid him behind the cliff, and, and he saw the backside of the Lord. But, but how cool is that? That in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, verse 14 says, and we beheld His glory. So we got to see the glory of the Lord through Jesus. We didn't, because we're here in 2023, but the one thing that I love is, blessed are those, he said, blessed are those who see, but even more blessed are those who don't see and still believe. And that's us. And I'm like, well, I don't see Jesus. I didn't see Him physically, as in John chapter 1, as the disciples, but... Man, man. Hey, just a side note. Do you ever just stop and think what Jesus will look like? Do you ever just just sit there and just think, wow. And not in any way he had dark skin, he had this, just, just, just thinking about how much, just what he would look like. And could you imagine if you were part of his disciples and you were walking and and, and you got to see him every morning, and there he was smiling with you, and he says, hey, okay, what are we doing today? Well, come on, grab your stuff, let's go. And you'd take off to the, to the farthest part of Galilee, and, and you'd see him witnessing to people, and you're learning all of this stuff. And he's God, and, and you're not. And you're just trying to grow. Oh, Lord, wow. In the movie Risen, I don't know if you've seen that movie Risen. In that movie Risen, 
one of there was a man who was full of leprosy comes towards Jesus and all the disciples back up because because leprosy was not cool. You had to you had to walk away unclean, unclean to, to let people know. And, and in the movie, Jesus just opens his arms and, and he embraces this guy. And all the disciples are like this. And, and not even the disciples, but the Roman. Uh, I'm, I'm totally spoiling that movie. So if you haven't seen it, close your ears. Um, but, but the Roman who, who is just mind boggled because he crucified Jesus and now he's alive. And he's like, and they're all looking. And he just says, and, and the guy's just crying. And then Jesus looks up and smiles and he's healed. He just goes off. Everybody's like, Wow. I am super stoked, guys. But Daniel says something that I find interesting. He says, my strength is gone. He says, I saw this and I had no strength. He says, he says my vigor was turned to frailty. I want you to note the word frailty here in verse 8. The word suggests a death-like per- a paleness combined with a grotesque wrenching of facial features. I thought that was weird. It's not just like he was just not like, uh, you know, I'm tired, you know, I, I'm fatigued. He was like, I mean, I don't know. It was this pale, grotesque looking, this is Daniel. That's what he says. My vigor, it was like, I don't know why I do my hands, but nonetheless. A death-like paleness combined with a grotesque wrenching. Of That's Daniel, verse 9. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, he says, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. Suddenly a hand touched me and made me tremble on my knees and on my palms of my hands. And he said to me, O oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you while he was still speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. So he sees this vision, guys. He has no strength. He falls flat on his face. He's, he's basically knocked out. And the hand says, hey, Daniel, and it's basic. He's. I am so glad that we have the book of Hebrews that says, I can boldly come before the throne of God with my prayers. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because of Jesus who lives in us, guys, we can boldly come and offer our petitions and pray. Amen. Amen. And he's like, man, I stood. And he stood up, notice. And while he was speaking, I was, I was, I was trembling. Daniel was laid out in his weakness by this experience. And yet he was strengthened by the touch of a hand. Could it be Jesus? Could it be? Man. Even if in the book of Daniel it's not Jesus, that's where I want my strength to come from. I come from. You've heard Nathalie's testimony on this many, many times, I hope. But, but when, she was, she, when she was diagnosed with breast cancer, boy, that made her weak, first and foremost. First... We didn't even know she had it, but it, it did make her weak. It really did. She is a runner. She's been a runner all her life. Uh, because she's a runner, I became a runner to try to chase her at least and try to catch her. And uh, one day we were going out for a 10-mile run, and, and, and she kept stopping every few minutes. She goes, I don't know what's wrong with me. 
I can't go. And I'm thinking, you're the runner. What does it matter? Come on, let's go. We got 10 miles. We made it about five miles and came back home. And I was really concerned, thought, what's going on? She's usually, she, now, if we take off, she blows past me, she'd be gone. I mean, that's how it is. But, uh, but then she was diagnosed with breast cancer. All of, all of her energy was being sapped up and, and all this stuff. And then she got chemo and she got radiation. And she remembers sitting on her couch and she said, man, she was so, she was so frustrated because she was weak. And that's when the Lord spoke to her. It's in your weakness that I made, I made you strong. Physically, man, you don't understand. We would go two weeks and she'd finally feel better only to go the next day to get chemo again and be down. And then two weeks. And, and this was just recurring and, and it was so frustrating. But it was the touch of God that she felt at that moment. It was the strength of God. It was Jesus. Verse 12 says, Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel. From the first day that you sent your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now, I love verse 12. Why? Notice what he says. This is a good thing to underline. He says, Daniel, don't be afraid. Do not fear. Do not fear. In the law of first mention, it's used in, uh, it's used in Genesis 15.1 when Abraham said this. Now, the law of first mention is really simple. Biblically, whenever it's mentioned, first is how it's going to be in context the rest of the Bible. That's called the law first mention. In Genesis 15.1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid. This is where it's mentioned first. Okay? Abram, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. What's he saying? He's saying again, this is what he's saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. Listen, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Abram, I am your shield. In other words, he says, I will protect you. I will defend thee. I am your exceedingly great reward. I will bless you, is what he's saying, beyond your belief. So when he comes and says, Daniel, don't be afraid, it's that same thing. Daniel, come on, it's okay. It's okay. And the word of God says to us, I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. The vision here in Daniel 11 and 12 was focused, guys, on the latter days. Everybody got that? Though it relates to a time closer to Antiochus Epiphanes, it still relates to latter days. If you want to circle that in your Bible, verse 14, okay, um, you can write this, the second advent of Jesus. This is going to come in the second advent of Jesus. Okay, first advent, he came as a baby. Second is the second coming. But let me take you, let me, let me just, I just jot some, some things down to kind of give you an update on current events. Okay, let's start with money. Okay, these are current events. Um, 
the one thing that we need to understand just today is the Fed's hold rates steady but expects more increase. In other words, officials have approved interest rate hikes at their previous 10 meetings to combat inflation. You go, what does that mean? Here's what's happening in current events. Your interest rates on all the stuff are going to go up. It's going to go up. If you were to buy a house, I think of, I think of Joe and Bethany. They wanting to buy a house. Other people want to buy a house. And it's really tough because the interest rates are a lot higher than what they were a few years ago. You buy a house and, and get three, two, two and a half, three, four percent. Now they're going to go up. That's what's happening in our economy. Because we have inflation, we have to combat that inflation. Check this out. This will blow your mind. You ready? Just got this text today. The World Economic Forum calls for AI to rewrite the Bible. To create a religion that is actually correct. Here's what it says. The top official with the World Economic Forum has called for a religious scripture to be rewritten by artificial intelligence to create a globalized new Bible. That's happening in our world today. Let's make this palatable for everyone to swallow. Let's take out all the hard stuff. Let's not talk about judgment or hell or anything else. What does the world economic forum have to do with anything anyway? Here's another one going on in our world. Christians in Pakistan are struggling to survive barbaric persecution. Pakistani Christians and other religious minorities face abductions, indentured servitude, and state-sanctioned executions. At Calvary Chapel, we'll say, hey, how many of you want to give your life to the Lord? People raise their hand. We bring them forward sometimes. We, hey, man, you're a Christian now. We're going to walk with you. We're going to baptize you, and they basically go on their way. Can you imagine being in a country where being a Christian could cost you your life? And here's my question to you. Are you willing to love Jesus that much to lay down your life for him? Go, oh, Ben, that's deep, that's deep. It's happening around the world, and we're headed on that track. Let me give you one more. A tweet that was trending said, terrorism has no religion, and yet we see it as, we see it is a, it's a holy war. It's, a, it's not just... Let's go on. Daniel is strengthened in his weakness. Look at verse 15. When they had spoken... When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face to the ground and became speechless. And suddenly, one having a likeness of the Son of Man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. Now, let me just draw your attention to this. In the New King James Version, 
the one thing you need to understand, and it says when he, so it's not capitalized, so that leads me to believe it's not Jesus. I'm just giving you schools of thought, okay? So you 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 got to deal with it how you want to. Not only that, but Lord is not capitalized. And so he's saying, so you go, well, Ben, which is it? I don't know, because, because it sounds like it could be Jesus. He lifted his strength, or it sounds like it could be just a mighty uh, angel of God. All I know is Daniel, when he came, he silently bowed his face toward the ground. How? In an act of worship before the Lord. He was so excited that he couldn't catch his breath. You go, Ben, what was so breathtaking? The prophet had identified who was speaking to him. Well, you go, what's that? It says this. Let's look back. I opened my mouth, saying to him who stood before me, my Lord. Do you guys see that right there? My Lord is Am Adon in the Hebrew. A-M-A-D-O-W-N. And it's always been a strong reference to God. So you go, Ben, is that, could be Jesus. Could be Jesus. Go, okay, well, he isn't capitalized, but so you go, Ben, which is it? I, again, I'm just giving you the information. But it sounds like it could be Jesus because the Lord touch, touching Daniel's lips is similar to, to that of Isaiah. Do you remember Isaiah experiencing before the throne of God? Isaiah chapter 6, 6 and 7. Isaiah writes, The one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand a live coal, which is taken with the tongues from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity has taken away and your sin purged. So, strong reference. Strong reference. Well, Ben, is it Jesus? Could be. Could be. Verse 18. Then again, one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Anytime we see an angel in, that comes to people and, and, and the people bow down, they say, Get up, don't worship me, worship God. But here he's he's going, oh, oh, oh. He strengthened me. He strengthened me. Daniel is uh, I mean, just think about this. Daniel went from this vision to, to fasting and praying because of the vision in chapter 9. The Antichrist, all of that stuff, you know, just... just. And then now, he's lost his strength, and this man talks to him, and he's like, he's, he's strengthened. He's strengthened. But I love what he says here, because I, I, I'd like to insert us there. O oh man, greatly beloved, fear not. Listen, if you get nothing out of this message tonight, you need to know that God loves you. And you don't have to fear. Fear not. Peace be with you. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. Be strong. Yes, be strong. 
And Daniel says, when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. Hey, let me ask you a question. How do you strengthen your inner men? How do you hear the word of the Lord? How do you hear God? I love that Daniel says, and when he spoke, I was strengthened. So how do you get strength? How do you grow in your walk? How do you become a strong, mature believer? It's in the word of God. It tells us in Hebrews that in times past, they spoke to prophets, but now they're speaking through his son, Jesus, in the word of God. Listen to me. If you want to be strong in your walk with Jesus, you want to be strong, you want that inner man strengthened, you need to read the word of God. It needs to be a part of you. But not only do you need to, to read the Word of God, the Word of God needs to read you so that we can make those corrective changes. We can go, oh, okay, I'm going around the wrong path. Oh, Lord, what do I do? And that's how we get strong. I seemingly joked with the church there in Estancia Valley that we often will put the Bible under our pillow and sleep at that, hoping that we will um, somehow absorb being godly. Okay, Lord, I'm going, I'm going to bed. Amen. But unless we actually get out and read it and grow. I would love if I could put this under my pillow and, 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 and become just an amazing scholar. I mean, just, well, you know, I went to bed with the Bible last night, and so now I memorized all of John chapter all the chapters in the book of John. But it doesn't work that way, does it? You know what I have to do? Memorize all the chapters in the book of John. <laughs> and that takes work. But what a blessing it is. Okay, let's close. Let's close with verse 19, and 20, 19 through 21. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. Verse 20. Then he said, do you know why I've come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these, except Michael, your prince. So we're going to finish off next week. We're going to look at what he's talking about. So you have to come back, but let's talk application. Okay? Here's the application. Here we are taught the triumphant, persistent, and the triumph of persistent and humble prayer. We're taught that Daniel prayed. And when Daniel realized, boy, I'm not really getting an answer, I might want to take my prayer up a notch. I need to pray. I need to fast. I need to seek God. In the book of Philippians, chapter 1, Paul employs and says, part of my strength was prayer, but not only that, but prayer of the saints. He also goes on to say that, that part of his prayer was the Holy Spirit, but it was the saints. And so we need to be asking people to pray for us. Whatever situation you're in, please pray. Please intercede for me. Please. I would employ you 
as our church to pray for your pastor. As the days get evil, as the, as the world gets evil, the attacks are coming and they're becoming more and more brutal. Please pray for your pastor and you pray for your pastor's wife. Intercede, God, please. Pray for each other that we would be strengthened, that we would finish well, that we would finish well. That when you and I take our final breath, if the Lord should tarry, there would be no asterisk on our name, but that he finished well. The second thing we learned is that we're given insight to the supernatural forces involved when every believer engaged in, engages in earnest prayer. So when we pray, we don't just go, well, God heard, I don't know, let's go. But we realize that there's some forces going, hey, there's some spiritual attacks. The third thing we learn, guys, and I love this, mighty forces are unleashed when righteous people devote themselves to prayer. And four, delayed responses to prayer may result from great conflict between good and evil. You go, Ben, which we do? Keep praying. Keep seeking God. Keep praying. Father, we thank you tonight for your word and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love for us. We just want to spend a time in worship, in prayer, and in seeking you. Father, I pray for this for the people tonight, God. I lift up my hands and I pray a blessing on them. But I also pray, God, that you would put a hedge of protection around them, Lord. The enemy is coming after Christians. The time is short. And it's time, it's time that we take the battle seriously. And that we call for people to pray for us. We call for people to walk with us. We call for all of this. And so, Lord... I lift up my hands in prayer, and I thank you. Thank you for your word, God. It was deep. It was deep. Lord, I don't know if it was Jesus or not, waiting on further information. Sure sounds like him. But we look forward to what you have for us next week as we continue in the book of Daniel. We love you, Lord. We worship you in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.